Hey y'all, it's Sarah and Laura from the Clear Eyes Full Shouts book blog, and we are coming at you with Season 3, Episode 5 of our podcast. I think it's been a little while since we've talked to each other and had you listen to us. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So today we have a super awesome special guest. One we wanted to have as a guest for a long time, actually. Yes. She was on our list. Yes. And... You've probably heard of her if you read books because she has lots of blogs, including the very popular Find Your Next Book Tumblr. And she also runs wrappedupinbooks.org and Yalsa's The Hub. And let's welcome Molly Weta. Yay, Molly. Hello. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. And Molly, you're also a... Collection Development Librarian, correct? Yes. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention your actual job that you get paid for. Sorry. (laughs) That's my official job. All that blogging stuff is just on the side. So I buy books for a living, and then I go home and write about them on the Internet. So that's basically my life. So you literally are wrapped up in books. Yeah, it's not just a Bell and Sebastian reference. It's true. So, um, we wanted to talk to you about a bunch of stuff, because you're pretty cool, and, um, but, um, there were a few things that we sort of had on our list that we wanted to chat with you about, and I, you know, I'm not sure what we should start with on these things, because they're all sort of interesting, but, um, you know, I know you're just getting close to finishing up library school, and you're working in a library, and you've been working in libraries for quite a while, haven't you? Yeah, um, almost four years. So I started working in the library in spring of 2012. That's a while. That is a while. And that kind of spurred you to start going to library school, right? Yeah, I I hated my job in financial services um, a lot. So, oh my God, why? Yeah, I know it sounds so fun because um, I had gone to grad school for Latin American studies and decided I did not want to be an academic. And so then I just kind of fell into a job, you know, like with benefits and like you know an eight to five schedule. Um, right. So that was comfortable and easy. And then I hated it. So I was going to go back and get my master's in social welfare and be a social worker. And so I just started looking for a part-time job that would like work with going back to school. And I loved books. I was already like a book blogger and there was an opening at the library for a teen services assistant. And I had coached debate. So that was working with teenagers. And I'd also worked in a group home for children's in the state's care. So I was like, oh, books and teens, like, I can do this. And they hired me. I don't know. I mean, mostly I think because I knew the answer to, like, what would you recommend to a teen who wanted a book like The Hunger Games? And I said Legend by Marie Lou. And I literally think that's the reason that they hired me is because I knew that answer. That's a good answer, though. Yeah. I know. It was like, it was just a coincidence that I had read that book and had a good... You know, that's a really good answer. I think that's excellent work on that one. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I just started doing that, um, and was like, hadn't my practicum lined up for social work was like all enrolled. And then over the summer, I just started, I just fell in love with working in the library. And then, um, 
I did that flow chart that was like for like, what should you read after the hunger games? Cause it was so huge. And like, everyone kept asking that question. I needed more than that one answer because that book was always checked out too. <laughs> so I made that flow chart and it like got kind of big randomly on the internet. And Nancy Pearl called me, who's like America's right. library. He's pretty, pretty fancy to ask me about it um, for publishers weekly. And she's like, wait, you you don't have an MLS. Like you're, you just started working in libraries a few months ago. She was like, what, but this is your calling. And I was like, Oh, so I guess when Nancy Pearl tells you that you're destined to become a librarian, you just like take that to heart. And so I, you know, that's amazing. yeah, I just yeah, decided. That's really super cool. I did not know that. Yeah. That's my librarian origin story. So that's like so much better than everyone else's librarian origin <laughs> story ever. Like, <laughs> like no one's ever going to beat that. Yeah, yeah I, I really doubt I, it. Yeah, it was just, like, random coincidence. I mean, so that's – I honestly don't think I would have ever worked in libraries if I hadn't been really involved in fandom, too. Um, one year, my husband's first year teaching, we lived in a really tiny town, and I had absolutely no friends or social life. So I, like, started hanging out on the Internet a lot, as one does. <laughs> And got really involved in fandom, and, like, that's how I got into social media and blogging. So that was really my entry into the library world is talking about books with people on the Internet. And so I still do that. That's so That's how Sarah and I became friends on the Internet. Yeah. Internet yeah. friends are real friends for they are. But it's so weird. Like, you didn't even think that was, like, you weren't even, like, surprised or confused by that. But, like, Laura and I will tell other people that. And they're, like, so baffled. Like, that we... And honestly, at this point, most of my friends are people I've met through the internet. I mean, Laura, wouldn't you say that, like, we can trace kind of all of our mutual friends that way? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think if there was. I guess if we have mutual friends that are not Twitter people. You know what, Jen? We did not meet through the internet. That's true. That's true. She's the outlier. But even like Mindy Scott, we met her. We like harassed her until she no, became no, friends with us. Is, I always tell. I was correct, Mindy, on that. She Mindy Twitter stalked me. That's that's how it started. It's <laughs> those, one of those terrible authors stalking reader stories, you know. <laughs> Where she joins your guys' book club? <laughs> well, no, she didn't, actually. That would be oh, amazing okay. if she lived in our town and she, we, she could come join our book club. Oh, yeah, okay. that would be awesome. Now I'm mad that's not the case. Yeah, we'll have to talk to her about that. She did come to book club once, though. Yes. So... We're in an awesome book club, Molly. I know. I'm. I'm kind of jealous. I mean, I. It's I'm amazing. In book clubs at the library. I run um, the team book club, which this year we're a nominating group for like the Yalsa Teens Top Ten. So mm-hmm. we get like just buckets of advanced readers copies like every week, and they think it's the coolest thing ever. Oh, and they, they just, must love yeah, them. I bet yeah, and they love like talking about them like. And sharing their opinion and the fact that somebody actually cares. Oh, I'm sure. So, mm-hmm. so that's pretty fun. Um, and then I have a YA for grown-ups book club, too, 
which is pretty fun because we don't meet at the library. We meet at, like, different bars around town. So, but because it's for work, I feel like I it's maybe not as awesome as a book club could be. Right, because it's like you kind of, I mean, not that yeah. it's awesome, but that it's like it's a different, it's a different thing. Yeah, like I'm expected to, like, organize and lead it. It's not just, like, show up and talk, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, originally our book club was, um, affiliated with the forever young adult thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, we just ended up instigating a coup and just breaking away. Yeah, we weren't, it wasn't the best fit for us. Um, but we, um, yeah, not that there, I, not that anything against that, because I think people have a, there is actually another, another one formed in our town. And, um, but we, we sort of, we didn't like random people showing up at our book club. <laughs> yeah. And if you get too many people, it could be, it's hard. Like sometimes I've had groups where they're more than like five or six people and it's just, it's too many. Yeah. You can't know what yeah. to talk to everyone. And it's really, and I think that's like, honestly, like if I think like five or six is like kind of the perfect number for a book club. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so too. Because everyone can see each other, and you don't kind of break off into groups. And yeah, because when our book clubs are awesome, though. Do you remember that story, Molly? I don't know if you heard about this, but there was like a football player played for the University of North Carolina. I think I love this story. Like, oh yeah, and he um, his reading wasn't great, and he wanted to become a better reader, and he joined this book club with a bunch of old older ladies <laughs> like mm-hmm. like 60 year old ladies probably at the bookstore and she invited him to join her book club yeah but he was just oh. like oh i'm serious i want to come and she's like are you sure you want to come to my book club with a bunch of little old white ladies because he's like a black football player for the <laughs> university of north carolina and maybe she That's thought awesome. he wouldn't fit in with them so but there but the story gets better because he went to their book club, and, like, they're his buddies. Like, they're seriously, like, they, he adores these women. And he has, there was an update about him. There on, was? I didn't see yes, it. There was, I meant to post this, actually, because I love this story so much. He, so he had, when he was, um, and he's been in school, he had a list of goals on his door. And um, his first goal was to become a better reader, because that was something he'd really struggled with. His second goal is to play in the NFL. And his third goal was to become a published author. Wow. He has a book coming out. Yay! Children's book. And it's coming out. Good for him. It's coming out this fall. And it's like a book about reading, which is so cool. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. And so it's just like, like, I seriously watched the update and I started sobbing. (laughs) Oh, that's so awesome. It's such an awesome story. And like, Okay, I had the college wrong. It was Georgia. That's not right, Carolina. it was Georgia. I'm sorry, I messed up. Yeah, you're going to have all those, like, UGA and UNC fans mad at you now, Laura. I know, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> but it's such, I mean, but I think it's such a, like, I mean, it's such a sort of testament to, like, the kind of power of, like, how like, books can bring people together, and it's so amazing, and, I don't know, I can get all sappy about that. Yeah, um, but, I mean, like, I think with our book club, that's been true. I think that's really true. I don't think I've ever had so many like 
like actual friends but <laughs> Which, I don't know if that's a reflection of me or what, but, um, you know, not work friends. I guess that's the difference. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Well, back on the, um, so one of the things that we had sort of been chatting with you before we started recording was, you know, like, going, like, I think there's actually a lot of people who, like, think you must have, like, the best job in the world because you get to buy books for a living. Mm-hmm. Which sounds amazing. Um, but, you know, I, I'm sure. And you get to buy books with somebody else's money. I know. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I find a lot with my own money too. I don't know how that happens. You think I'd like satisfy <laughs> that shopping craze. It but... might make it worse though. Cause then you really know what's, what's out there. Yeah. So your I list know. gets big. It does. Um, but, uh, so, but how has it sort of, has it changed the way you think about, books and reading and as having books as a career like sort of changed what you I don't know yeah it's definitely changed my reading habits um and that I don't just read whatever like strikes my fancy necessarily that I actively try to balance my reading and read a lot of different genres and a lot of different types of books I had never read graphic novels till I started working in the library Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a big change now, you know, I started reading them and then I started buying them. Um, so I buy all the teen and adult graphic novels. So that's been really interesting. Just exposed me to like a whole different world of literature. Um, so that's been really fun. And I used to be someone who always had a book, but I wasn't like always sure what my next book was going to be. And now like my nightstand, you know, metaphorical or otherwise is just full of books. And I'm usually reading two or three books at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely different. I, but I also feel like it's easier for me to give up a book now right. than it was before. I used to always be like, Oh, I started this. I'm going to finish it. Maybe yeah, it gets this obligation. Yeah, but now I'm like, life is too short. Like, there are too many books out there. And so if something is, if I'm not in the mood for it right now, then I'll just move on to the next one. Um, And the way I talk about books, I think, has changed a lot, too, because I'm not just thinking, like, did I like this? I'm thinking, who would like this and and why? Um, So I think about what makes people interested in a certain type of book um, or what turns them off in terms of reading um, and how you can like follow those threads and find new books for them. Because I think a lot of people kind of struggle with that because they're overwhelmed with choice and don't know where to start next. And so a lot of people will just pick up the next buzz book that everybody's talking about. Like even if they're a pretty big reader because they're not, they're not sure what they would like otherwise. Um, so having that professional help can really improve your reading life. I think, um, and I, I've, I totally I've, agree with that. Yeah, you're definitely so, right about that. Um, cause I used to be one of the, like, you know, something random might strike my fancy, but I was reading a lot of what other, you know, people like when I first got into YA, um, it was because my husband was taking a teaching young adult literature class and he gave me Twilight. This was like way back in like 2007. Um, 
and said, oh, you know how you love Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Like, I have to read this for class. Maybe you would like it, too. And so I did. And then I read, like, all, started reading all the other popular stuff. Um, and I didn't, it wasn't until I started working in libraries that I found out about all the other great hidden gems that maybe don't make the New York Times bestseller list, but are just amazing stories in and of themselves. Um, and so I love really introducing readers to those types of books. What are some of the go-to ones that you sort of always like to sneak into people's hands? Probably my number one favorite book to recommend when I find someone that I think would really enjoy it is The Sharp Time by Mary O'Connell, ah, which I, I, love I know book. you love this one, Sarah, but <laughs> I still haven't read that. I'm sorry, guys. I suck. And she probably thinks I'm weird and creepy. Um, no, there were kids. and um, But I, that book is amazing, and she's an amazing person. And um, so that's one of my favorites to recommend. Um, just because I've, it has like no romance in it, which I think is refreshing to people who are like, oh, all YAs are just love stories, like teenage angst. Um, and it is a book where the mother dies, but not in that, um, it's after the fact and it's her dealing with the fallout and it all takes place in one week. And the language and the metaphors that they use and, like, the friends that she makes is just, it's amazing. I haven't read any other book quite like it. No, I can't think of really anything that would be comparable to it. Yeah, it's really unique. Yeah, it's got a really, um, she's got such a great voice. Mm -hmm. And that's a book I think also there's a like, I think a picky reader could really get into that book. Definitely. I yeah. Think it's not one I can recommend to everyone, because I know some people will be like, this is kind of weird. Um, yeah. But a, someone who's picky, I, I think, could really just be like, what? This is awesome. Yeah, and it's set in Kansas City, which I'm familiar with, so I love, like, even though it's a fictional street um, that where she has the vintage clothing stop, shop and the pawn shop and the like monastery um that's fake but it feels real and like it could be a part of kansas city so i really love that one um some other underrated books that i feel like sometimes bloggers are like that's not underrated because like bloggers all talk about it but like real people don't know about like non-book um related so my favorite fantasy to recommend is um the lumetier chronicles by melina marchetta that those are my yeah, absolute favorite that if you want fantasy I and can handle like some darkness aren't big who aren't like honestly involved in books on the internet. I don't think they know about Melina Marchetta. I no, they don't. Like, no. I've never recommended that book to someone like a book by her to someone who's not really in you know like a normal person who mm-hmm. has ever heard of her. Yeah, it's so sad. Yeah. I, just, I mean. Like, in Australia, I'm sure they would know of her, but here, yeah, I would agree with that. And even, like, award winners, you know, it's like she won the Prince Award, but I feel like the YA awards are not as well-known or not as prestigious as, say, like, the Newberry or the Caldecott are for children's books, because mm-hmm. maybe they haven't they haven't been around as long, um, and YA Lit hasn't been around as long, so even those, like, big award winners sometimes people who aren't like in the industry 
don't really know about them. So, so those are probably my two like number one favorite under under known books to recommend in the library. I could go on and on. Well, like these are really those are really good ones. I I yeah, because it's like I rec I often recommend like A. S. King to people, and I know like everyone yeah. who's like into books knows about her, but like I still don't think like she's someone that people know about. I know, and if people like weird books, like those are yeah. she is for them. Yeah, and like pe- like people who like weird books, like weird books. Like, yeah, <laughs> they don't want something normal. <laughs> so. And she is a really smart, cool lady. Mm-hmm. So, because we saw her at my library a few years ago, and she was really awesome. Yeah, she gave one of the best author talks I've heard, actually. Yeah, and this place was packed. It was. Pouring rain on a Friday night. And it was gross and out. this place was packed with teenagers there to see That's her. That's awesome. Yeah. And it was for, she was like, the, they do this thing in Vancouver, Vancouver, Washington, where they do a, like a teen, it was like a teen writing awards, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she was like the sort of guest of honor sort of thing for the. Yeah. And she got to present the awards. Yeah. And it was a, it was, and she just gave this, she actually, she talked to the teenagers and like, I've been to some other author things that are like, you know, people who write for teens and it's been pretty obvious that their goal was not to speak to teenagers, but to sort of, yeah, yeah. And she like got them and like, she loved it and they loved it too. It's wonderful. It was really, really awesome. I like those events when, like, real teens actually show up to the author talks and it's not just, like, aspiring writers and, like... I think that was the... I don't think I've ever seen so many teens... No. ...for... to see an author before. And, I mean, people normally wouldn't have been at the library... At that time. At 7 p.m. on a Friday and it was, like, pouring rain in November, so... And that's an amazing library, though, I have to say. It is really nice. And yeah, it's been, it keeps winning all these architecture awards and design awards. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I haven't checked it out. I'll have to put that on my list. Um, Nathan and I have, like, a library visit road trip list, so. <laughs> it's a beautiful. It's oh, a- <laughs> this one's really nice. They have a room just for teens with, like, a shut door so that it, like, there's, like, TVs in there and stuff just so that it's, like, a safe space for them. Mm-hmm. after school yeah. and then the children's floor has like this huge like play area and then they have like a separate room for story times and stuff like that it's really great mm-hmm. yeah it's I like seeing those kinds of libraries because some places have all of that and then other places are you know just have like a little corner where the teen books are and no place for them to hang out and- yeah well this one is new it was built like Four years ago, I want to say. It just opened, like, four years ago. The old one was, was I mean, small. just, yeah, I mean, the population of this town has um, grown so much. And it just it just outgrew its library. Like, and the, mm-hmm. the one before was from, like, the 70s, and it had, like, bad lighting. And it was just, this new one is so much nicer and better. The whole community loves it and supports it so much. So... It's been really great. Damn. 
On the other hand, you've got the library in my, I live on the same street as my neighborhood library, which is incredibly nice, actually. It was, like, one of those things I never knew I was missing in my life until I had it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is amazing. Because, like, I'm literally, it's, like, I can just walk down the street. Um, But I, my library is, like, the tiniest library in all of Portland, and it's literally, like, the size of my living room. And, but it's adorable. Like, it's always busy. It's really loud. There's like always, you can always hear Vietnamese and Spanish at least being spoken, sometimes mm-hmm. Russian. Like, it's a really, and they have this tiny little computer lab and it's always busy. <laughs> it's, it's very sweet, but we, it's not, it doesn't have a lot of, it doesn't have any separate rooms for anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah but, but those like, libraries what, are nice too. Of- I think those libraries feel like an essential spot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And the teenagers do hang out there, which much to the consternation of, like, the cranky old people who hang out there. (laughs) It's really fascinating. (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, so is there anything else you wanted to add to to that question that we got derailed a smidgen about, but just um, related to sort of, like, I think that point you made about Thinking differently about not just do I like this, but who would like this is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's that's like what reader's advisory is, which I didn't even like know that term when I started working in the library, but um, recommending books to people, finding out what they like. Um, and that's not even something that you learn in library school. What? It's, yeah, there's like not really even a class for that. But that uh, seems like such an essential part of the I know, job. I know. There's this, um, there's a movement, like some schools do. Mine does not have like a reader's advisory class. Some do. Um, and there's this, uh, awesome librarian book of war is her Twitter handle. Um, Stephanie Anderson that is like wrote a history of reader's advisory. Like she's really into that because she came from the like book selling world to libraries. Um, and then just got her um, MLS, and uh, it's really interesting that um, we think of it as such an essential part of what libraries do, yet it hasn't ever really been part of the curriculum. So I think there's a it's a large part of like professional development and like ongoing training, um, and there are lots of places that you can get that um, sort of knowledge elsewhere, but it's not actually something that I at least had any exposure to in library school. Like you have a class in like reference and information services where you talk about the reference interview, but never like the reader's advisory interview. So that's kind of interesting in a traditional class like mine. Um, So yeah, I mostly learned it from other librarians that were practicing. And that's really like my niche in libraries. Like I feel like collection development, like buying the books is the other side of the coin to helping people find the ones that they want on the shelves. So you got to work in tandem, like with the the frontline staff who are actually on the floor most of the time um, when you're buying the books. So I enjoy that part, but yeah, it's not something that you learn in school. Not a lot of like the day to day aspects of what you do in a library is what was emphasized in my training. Other than like my youth services courses have all been 
very much like about early literacy um, or about children's programming and development um, or about teen services and developmental assets. You know, all of that coursework has been really specific and applicable to working in the library, but not so much the more theoretical side of things. I feel like that happens with jobs a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to say, it's not all that different than, like, people who go, you know, to get, like, a teaching degree. They get a lot of sort of theoretical stuff, but they don't get nearly as much of the, like, training as to, like, how you, like, handle a classroom. Yeah, the the management part of, of being a teacher is something that you just have to learn they by doing. just do- dump you in a, in a classroom to teach, and they're like, well, you'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, and they wonder why there's such, like, high turnover, like, that lots of people leave within five years. Right. It's like, well, you just kind of dumped them in a classroom and shut the door. So. <laughs> no, teaching has to be, like, way harder. I feel like a lot of times, I think because, you know, my, my partner is a teacher and works with teenagers, um, I get all the fun parts of, like, working with teens and books, and he has, like, all of the difficult parts about it. My mom was a teacher for a long time, and she now substitutes at the school that she taught at. And um, her favorite gig is substituting in the library, where she gets to, like, basically hang out with kids and, like, talk to them about books. Yeah. And, you know, and then, like, all the other stuff. She's like, oh, it was so much work. Like, the library gig is so much better. You know? Yeah. Now, school librarians, I do think, work really hard. Like when you're not just the substitute. I mean, that's yeah. so much no, more do. about like technology and like information literacy and like supporting classroom instruction. Like it can be yeah, a really huge. taxing job. Um, and I think a lot of people don't realize, even though there are so many studies that students do so much better when they have a full time librarian. Um, that the funding for that just keeps getting cut. It's kind of terrible. Well, yeah, I, that's so weird to me, too, because, like, I mean, I know growing up, like, the librarian was such an important, like, our librarian wasn't very nice. I'm just be real honest about that. <laughs> but, like, she was really important in, like, teaching us, like, research skills and, like, how to find information and, you know, all of that stuff that's, like, sort of important in terms of, like, you know, how you learn she was a really important part of. Still wasn't very nice, but. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you need that. And I think um, it does kids a disservice when you don't have that. But, you know. So your other thing is your find, the next, find your next book Tumblr, which is just like, it's like reader's advisory sort of taken to. Uh, taken digital, I guess. I mean, yeah. Take to the masses, I guess. I know. And that, I mean, honestly, like I love Tumblr. I run my library's Tumblr. And so that's the one that I probably spend the most time on. Um, but this one I started just because I wanted to organize all the book list graphics that I make. And then also the other ones that I find that other libraries or bloggers have made, um, and really make it so that I could find them easily be like, Oh, I know I saw this, but if it was on my personal Tumblr, it's like all mixed in with cat gifts and Empire Slayer gifts. So I was like, I'm just going to organize this. So I just picked kind of at random a bookish, you know, URL and started organizing that. And then people just started asking in, you know, the Tumblr ask box for like, Oh, book, Oh, book recommendations. Like what would you, I just read this. What should I read next? And so I just started answering them. And then, it got out of control there for a while when it first started. 
Um, you know, people would, and it was really fun because people would ask for different things that I never would have thought to like make a list for. Um, so it really kind of like stretched my reader's advisory muscles a bit, um, doing some research into some like lesser known areas of books or things that weren't my particular specialties. So it was good for me in that professional way, um, to kind of go digging into new books. Um, and then it just gives you real insight into, some people would say like they like the most random combination of books. Like I want some, I like. There was one you got that was really hard. Oh, I got one. I, the hardest one that I got, which I still like feel like I have not answered her satisfactorily, even though I spent like hours doing research is somebody who wanted chiclet, but like with a woman of color protagonist that wasn't about finding a man. So we talked oh. a lot what she meant by chiclet because to me I'm like well most chiclet is like about shopping or finding a man like in my mind like that's what people mean when they say that because I think chiclet and I think like you know like the sex in the city like the Candace Bushnell Meg Cabot or yeah or Meg Cabot you know or something like that um so we talked a little bit about that because I was like oh I can recommend recommend all of these amazing women authors of color, but they all write like, you know, really kind of fame dramas or sagas or like more darker, like less upbeat and uplifting than what I think of as chiclet was something that's like just kind of fun that you can read like while you're waiting at the dentist or like on the beach, not something that you're like really emotionally invested in. Um, so I never really felt like that, that, genre exists like I went into I asked some kind of women's fiction that would sort of but that's such a weird sort of category categorization too like I never really know how it how that parses out yeah like what what do people mean when they say like I like women's fiction or I like chiclet like what is the difference um that's that was the hard part I think I mean I ended up like suggesting some books I thought that she would like, but I felt like that that genre was kind of um, underdeveloped. Yeah, that, that there wasn't a lot of choice out there. That's a hard one. Yeah, that's yeah. really hard. Or people would be like, "I like um, something really esoteric and literary, and also like something like the selection, like." I like not the selection. Like I'm they like, wanted okay. that together. Yeah, just like things that I never would have paired together, and so it's kind of like to try and find out why they liked that um, was interesting. But yeah, so it was kind of fun and random, and a good insight into what people are reading and what they want to read. And so many of them, I could just tell by the way that they typed were teenagers which I think is you know that's like my main demographic since I buy YA fiction and um yeah so it's just interesting to hear directly from them and a lot of them are on Tumblr so it was good research for me professionally and kind of fun to do there was so yeah there was you did and this was before you had find your next book you did that one I guess it was probably like a year and a half ago or maybe longer that the one that was for people who like Fault in Our Stars. What did, what yeah, I wrote that was an article I wrote for Novelist. So Novelist, um, that was awesome. Yeah, and which that was, I was really good. I remember that. 
They asked me to do that, like my editor at Novelist, which is like this database that's for readers advisory that libraries can subscribe to. And so they help you like search for books. So they divide them up by like appeal factors and like people go in and annotate them with read alike. So it's this good tool and they have this newsletter that I write for. Um, so I'm not the biggest John Green fan. Um, so when they asked me to write that, like before the fall and our stars came out, I was like, Oh, this, this might, I might not be the best person to write this because I've only, at that time, I'd only read um, Will Grayson, Will Grayson, and Looking for Alaska, and I had listened to both of them on audio, which I, I enjoyed. I thought they were good audio productions, but in general, I was yeah never really clicked with John Green like so many YA readers do, but I love contemporary, you know, YA, so I thought, oh, what do people like about John Green, like the his various books, because some some of them are a little bit different. Um, and so to just kind of like parse that out and find some um, more underrated or lesser known books that people might enjoy. Cause like so many like Buzzfeed articles or like flavor wire ones, they just kind of sucked. And you could tell, you can totally tell when somebody writing about YA doesn't actually read YA. <laughs> so I think that yeah. was the case. With lots of well, those. And I just remember when that, when you published that one, like, there had been there had been a lot of lists like that because that movie got so much buzz mm-hmm. and like and like most of those lists kind of annoyed me because I was like well because people I'm like everyone's friend who's into books so you know everyone read that book about that time and so mm-hmm. like I would so it was always something that was hard for me to like be like well if you like that I have no idea what you would like <laughs> like <laughs> you know like I, I it's a really like specific thing. And, um, but I would get so annoyed with all those lists that were like, and there must have been 87 BuzzFeed lists of like what to read after you read, read The Fault in Our Stars. And like, and they they, all kind of sucked. They all kind of sucked. They were basically all like a random, like smattering of like mostly contemporary YA, but not all. (laughs) Yeah, they were, they really sucked. And so I, I thought about that one for a long time. Like why? People like John Green. So a lot of his narrators are really like smart and good vocabularies and they're witty. And so, you know, I try to find some books like that. Um, And people all over Tumblr like love making John Green quotes. But really what they need to read is like Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe because like every paragraph in that would just really make a beautiful Tumblr quote. Like you can make a beautiful graphic. So, you know, I just try to think of what do people like about it. I mean, the whole, oh, they're sad, dying of cancer. Um, but I think that there are better cancer books than The Fault in Our Stars. Yeah, and I don't think that's the thing that's why people like that book. Like, Yeah, yeah. It's it's not just that. It's, like, the emotional t- intensity. Um, I think a lot of people like looking for Alaska because it is kind of like a punch in the gut. You, you know you're counting down to something, but you don't know what it is. Yeah. Until it happens. Um, so for that, like, I love to recommend Wing. Wing. I was just going to say this. Yeah, because you're just like, oh, this, like, you know. It's like, if you want to be punched in the face by a book, read this. Read Winger, yeah, because it totally just rambles this, like, 14-year-old kid um, for, like, 80% of the book. And then all of a sudden the floor completely drops out. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm sobbing. Like, this yeah, is so terrible. I was with that book. I was like, oh, yeah, this is, like, a real, like. A really sort of, uh, this voice is great, and, you know, mm-hmm. it's, like, I totally could see this kid, you know? 
And then I was like, oh, and by the way, let me punch you in the face. Like, yeah, I was like, oh, this book has like no plot really yeah. other than like it has a great voice and stuff. And then you get to that and you're like, oh, man, yeah, I just felt like I was sucker punched. So it's kind of mean, actually. <laughs> Yeah, I know, and I haven't, I'm looking right now at the copy I got of Standoff. I haven't read it yet. Um, So, so yeah, I think, I think a lot of times people who talk about why, I felt this way about when they made those announcements about, like, the National Book Award, like, long list for YA. I had read almost all of the actual YA books, like, not as many as the children's ones, but there was some articles about them where they're just like, oh, you think YA is all dystopian, but not these. These are the literary ones. And I was just like, you clearly don't read YA. Yeah, if you because don't. dystopia is sort of like dead. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I hate that. That was a really good selection, though. I I would have a hard time picking my I favorite off. Oh, that is a good. It's like oh, bone. I didn't yeah. know that Demon- Nimona got nominated. Yeah, it's the first graphic novel. So that's so awesome. Yeah, and she is such a like hardworking artist. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like she's constantly putting work out, which is really amazing. Yeah, and I know people were. I haven't read it yet, but I know people were really happy that Ray Carson's book got nominated. You know, I yeah, I read that one, and I was surprised. Because I was kind of nervous about it. I was like, I don't know if I like Gold Rush era his- historical. And some people had said, like, oh, it's not really a heavy fantasy novel. Like, there's just that hint of magic in there. But it was, it was like, unputdownable. I mean, it was really intense. And um, I really liked all of the conflicts and the characters. It was it was good. I, don't, I didn't like it as much as Girl, Fire, and Thorns. But it was good. But yeah, and I love Simon versus the Homo Sapiens agenda. I need to read that because everyone oh, says it's just wonderful. Yeah, it's just delightful. I mean, it's it's like you've got mail, but for the Tumblr generation and like with lots of boys kissing. Oh, really? I probably yeah. really like that one. Yeah, it's really super cute. So yeah, good good list. There's so much good YA out there, and that's why I like that it's my job to help people find it. <laughs> That's like, you know, that National Book Award list, I'm looking at it, like, that's a really, like, nice mix. Mm-hmm. Like, that's actually pretty representative. Yeah. Wow. And that, that N.T. Anderson nonfiction war about, um, like, the siege of Leningrad and, like, that composer that came out of it is supposed to be fantastic, too, which I'm like, this is not the nonfiction topic that I would pick to write about for a teen audience. But we got advanced readers copies of that, um, and I took them when I went to a school visit, like the sixth grade orientation I had a table at. And this kid, um, you know, must have been like the shyest, dorkiest sixth grader, came up and he's like, oh, I can keep, I can take one of these books and keep them? You know, and he, he picked that one, and he was just like so excited about it. And his mom actually emailed me and told me like how much he loved it. And I was like, see, there's a, there's a book out there for everyone. Well, and a know, for every the, book. The, the, the symphony for the city of the dead. Is yeah. that what you're talking about? Yeah. And it's, that's nonfiction and it's about uh, Dmitry uh, Shostakovich. Yeah. Which oh, you're okay. in, so you might know more about that than I do. I was only well, like, I don't know oh, about here. Dmitry Shostakovich's bio, but his music is amazing. And mm-hmm. I don't think he's a very well-known composer. 
but his music is amazing and his string quartets in particular are outstanding. So if, you know, anybody out there is a classical music fan. I like to listen to classical music while I'm working. Yeah. But the Shostakovich string quartets are um, probably, I would say that they're probably one of his best and most well-known works, but he's written a lot of other stuff that's uh, really interesting. Um, some people, I think, maybe wouldn't like him so much because he's not traditionally tonal, uh, but I kind of think that's what is great about his music. So, hmm. I, Because I'm a nerd, guys. No, I'm a nerd. I love it when that's you talk awesome. about music. I think it's yeah. so cool. <laughs> um. No, that book was really, um, that was all, all over the place at DEA in the spring, actually. And I was kind of surprised that it was a YA nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And that it was kind of getting that much attention. So, um, you know, my mom taught high school and she, which I mentioned, and she always had like sort of a little cadre of students and usually boys, interestingly, who didn't like to read fiction, but she could get them to read, um, like really like kind of hard nonfiction and they would go crazy for it like history or like you know big memoirs and stuff Mm -hmm. and she would really struggle to find novels for them but like if she could find like you know like oh she could always give them um like one of john krakauer's books yeah like into the air and into the wild for them yeah so. Yeah, I think a, a lot of boys are that way, and I especially with Wyatt, like, if they're not into romance, which I don't like to make the assumption that they aren't, because there is this one kid that comes into the library, and he must be, like, 6'8", and he's Native American, and he's, like, built like a linebacker, like, he's huge, like, you never would look at this kid and be like, that guy likes to read romance, but once he found out, he, like, loves the dystopian or, like, adventure type with a... He wants a really heavy romance plot. Like, I gave him Under Aww. the Never Sky, and he just came back and he's like, give me more like this, and it's adorable. So, oh, I never... the cutest thing ever! Yeah, I don't like to make assumptions about what people like, but I do get lots of... of especially younger boys who are like, oh, I don't... I'm not really into novels, but... Um, interesting nonfiction and they're publishing so much more yeah. nonfiction specifically for a teen audience, which is like mostly a side effect of common core standards, but is actually kind of good because they're getting a little bit more variety and especially in the memoirs. Um, there's been lots of cool ones that have come out in the last couple of years that aren't of YouTube stars, although those are very popular. Yeah. Well, I think that's really cool because I mean, the world is, really interesting you know like I mean just like some of the non-fiction things you read are you just like this is seriously non-fiction this like happened this this is a real thing in our world you know what I mean and like it's I don't know I could see why it would really appeal to people you know yeah like some of the like old like sports non-fiction like the heyday of like the 70s when people were really writing these sort of like very first person, like narrative nonfiction pieces are amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like Heaven is a Playground and um, The Breaks of the Game. And the, like, I tell you, you can like put those books in the hands of someone who's like, I don't like nonfiction. And it's like, they won't be able to put them down because they're so, mm-hmm. like, na- like the narrative is so strong. Right. I love a really good sports nonfiction. <laughs> oh, yeah. Me too. Like, yeah. If you can find a good one, it is like nothing else. 
Like, See, and that's a genre I have not explored, so... But, you know, I bet a lot of your readers would really like it because it's like sports are something that a lot of teens do or it's a part of their daily lives, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like something that they'll understand, you know? Yeah, that is really true. Yeah, and there's some good... I mean, there's this one from... This, this isn't that old. It's from the early 2000s about the, like, 2005 Phoenix Suns. Have you read that one, Laura? That, no, I haven't. It's so it. good. What is that called? Um, I'm it's gonna. I'm gonna have to Google because it's so good. But it's like I feel like the non seven seconds or less. Oh, okay. I'll have to read that. No, I feel like sports nonfiction for teens would be better than the sports fiction for teens because, oh, like, yeah, sports fiction for teens is terrible. It's like, yeah, it's very good at all. There are some books for teens that have some sports in them that are okay, but I think the ones that, like, really try to push that are definitely not my favorites. Um, But then again, you know, that's just my personal No, they're not well done. No, they're really not. They're really, like, I mean, there's some that are, because I know, Laura, you'd really like, um, oh, the crap. What's that called? Well, the like the Dairy Queen trilogy, I that like. That one's really good. And the, what is it, Stupid Fast? Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. Those are cute. Um, but there's some I've read that have just been, like, if I were a teenager and that was, like, say I was, like, a softball player, I'm not going to name names. This is what book this is. But, like, I would throw the book across the room because I'd be like, that's not how softball works. Well, there's also those, like, sports books by, like, that person who went to your college that I'm also not going to name. You're talking to me? Huh? Yeah, I'm talking to you, Sarah. Crap, who are you talking about? That person, like, she writes, like, those sports <gasps> oh, books yeah, that yeah, you don't yeah. like. Yeah, I keep forgetting. I've actually blocked out that she's a fellow alum. Um, but yes. <laughs> yes, like, those, those, that's what I was talking about, actually. Um, oh, okay, you were, okay. Not to be, um, too obtuse, but um, yeah, I it bothers me anyway. But it's just like Google, please. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like good sports nonfictions. I feel like that would be really popular with teens, like if they did more of it. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Although I did read a book about cheerleading that it doesn't come out until next spring, but it was phenomenal, and it was Exit Pursued by a by a bear by Kay Johnston. Oh, I know it's, you know, a Shakespeare quote, but it's so well done. Um, I just read that earlier this week and it's really good. Like it is all about it as a sport, but, um, cheerleading is hard. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. Is that a nonfiction or a fiction? No, no, that's fiction. Um, Which is weird because she has that Arabian Nights retelling, A Thousand Nights, that comes out in October. And then she had, that was with Disney. And this one, uh, though, sorry, I'm like fumbling all over it. Um, yeah, so like, the, is that, um, the Owen Dragon Slayer books. The e- yeah, E.K. Johnson. E.K. Johnston, yeah. Um, and then a cheerleading book, like all these wildly different books. Um, and they're all really good. I'm like, how can you be so talented at writing so many different genres? 
yeah, they've been really good. Or Breakaway by Cat Spears is like kind of has a soccer element. Like the boys are all friends on the soccer team, but it's really about grief and friendship and like growing apart. It was no, really okay. good. Oh, the um the Gracie Faltrain trilogy by Kath Crowley. Which I don't know if that's available in the US, but that is really good. Oh man. Oh, what is it by Kath Crowley? Because I love, you know, the Gracie Faltrain books. I don't think those are available in the US. They're I don't not. think they are. They're fabulous. I mean she is such a I mean she is such a good writer. I mean it's She really hits on like just like Everything. what it means to be a teenager. That, like That's exactly what I was going to say. And we actually just read Graffiti Moon and my grown-up, my wife for grown-ups oh, book club. I just and love they that said book. The same I love that book so much. Yeah, they were all, like, blown away by it. I it was... gave that book to, um, Laura, you know, my friend Mookie? Mm-hmm. I told him, I, I think I gave him that book, actually. And he, and, uh, I was, because he's Australian. And like he and I was like I didn't know like I didn't know because usually like I'd recommend him like more sort of I mean I don't know I mean I know books aren't gendered but sort of less girly books I guess than that is and he loved it like loved it and because he'd read all the Tomorrow When the War Began books oh those books are good and he was like what do I read next I want to read another Australian book and I was like and I just read Graffiti Moon and I was like I'll read Graffiti Moon. And like he and he's not a big reader, and he blew through that one too. So I was very proud of myself. I was like, I can get anyone to read a kissing book if I try. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like my evil thing I do. <laughs> so. I know, but I I think that is probably why I love YA's because I don't really like adult romance novels. Like I've read a few that I thought were okay, but they're too much. But I love kissing books, so that's why YA is, is really <laughs> yeah, worth Yeah, I that agree much. with you. That's, I like that, too. <laughs> I like how Laura and I are sitting here while we're talking to you. Like, we're both, like, adding books on Goodreads. <laughs> oh, are you watching me add things yeah. on Goodreads? <laughs> um, anyway. That's like anytime I talk to anyone about books. It's terrible. I know. It's really, this is. I need to go through and like cull my Goodreads because when I first started um, in libraries, like I thought, oh, this will be great. I'll like label things on Goodreads. So I added a bunch of books that I didn't really intend to read, but just so I could easily find them. And now I realize like that's not, I mean, maybe the best system for, for that. So I need to do a big purge. My Goodreads has, like, been out of control since I started, (laughs) since I joined Goodreads, so. Yeah. I've just given up. I'm scrolling through the Find Your Next Book archive, and I'm sort of feeling like I need to try to give you, like, the ultimate Find Your Next Book challenge. Yeah, no, do it, because those are fun. I'm like, what should I ask for? (laughs) But, man. But, man. I should should tell you some that are just sitting there waiting for me to answer. Oh, yeah. Let me log in. We love this game. Yes. This is, okay, here, I'm, I gotta switch accounts. I was logged in as a library. We we, we sound like weirdos. (laughs) No, this will be fun. Maybe I'll find some good ones. There are weird ones where you're like, wow, what could you possibly want? Some people ask for like nonfiction, like more inspirational or like self-help nonfiction. And I'm like, oh, that is so, I cannot help you with that. Yeah. I did not know that area. 
Um, oh, here, here's my favorite one that has been in here for a really long time that I have no idea how to answer. <laughs> I'm looking for a book that explores male and female energy and how they relate to one another in life and love, preferably nonfiction or fiction with great insight and prose. This is a YA thing or just in No, general? no, this is just a random, like, fi- you know, most of them end up being YA, but not all. So, yeah, it's kind of funny. Male and women have their energies, huh? Yeah, I have no idea what they mean. Sarah, you're uh, not saying anything. I'm thinking, I feel like I should be able to come up with something. I feel like there's something, like, tickling at the edge of my brain. Well, but I, I kind of feel that way, too. That's why I was sort of, like... I'm thinking, for some reason, I feel like there's, like, a Haruki Murakami book. He's a really weird author, like, but Yeah, really I have read all of his. That's a hard one. All right, what what's another one? That one's too okay. hard. Um, let's see here. Where's another really good one? Oh, a book like Clockwork Orange and The Catcher in the Rye. What? So, yeah, that's what they want. Um, for someone who enjoys poetry and plays, a book like Clockwork Orange and Catcher in the Rye, which I get like, what about I mean, like I, an Ellen Hopkins book for that person. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's like you could go in so many different directions. I read both of those when I was actually in high school. Um. So it's like disaffected youth, I guess, is the theme there. Maybe some Ellen Hopkins, yeah. You know, this is a kind of an out there one. It's actually another novel in verse. I just realized it's skyscraping by Cordelia Jensen. Have you read? Yeah, that I haven't, but I know you're real into verse novels, like way more than I me. I really, really like that, and it's set in the '90s, and it's got this kind of finding your way sort of thing. And there's, like, some really intense, like, family stuff. I mean, it's not, like, Clockwork Orange level, mm-hmm. obviously, because that's, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you can reach that level with any book other than Clockwork Orange. But, yeah. I mean, but it's got, like, a lot of, like, intensity. Mm-hmm. So that and the, the language in it is very beautiful. So if someone likes, like, poetry and play, like, that kind of linguistic yeah. stuff, that might okay. be a good one. I'll do some novels in verse. And here's another one that I feel like I should have a better answer for than I do because I love Patrick Ness, but he is so out there and weird. It's like, I don't know what to recommend them next. Something without or very little romance. So I've been thinking Gloria Bryan's History of the Future by A.S. Do they have a particular genre they want or just they like Patrick Ness? Yeah, just rec- what would you recommend for a huge Patrick Ness fan? I've read all of his books and I'm looking for something similar, because preferably with are so very little romance. all over the place. I know, yeah. They are, I know. Like, are you, are they looking for something more along the lines of Chaos Walking or like The Crane Wife? Because those are two very different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. That's why it's sometimes like with that little bit of information, it can be tricky. Yeah. That's Let's a see. hard one. That's a really hard one. I mean, and he's such a, I mean, he's such a distinctive writer, too. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Some of them are so general, and some of them are so specific. Those are, like, the most hard. What's a really general one? Um, 
Here's one. This is like the best game. I could do this all night. I know. Yeah. We could just do a podcast like this all night. I know. We could just do it. Um, so I am looking for any recommendations for teenage young adult romantic novels. So I've already probably oh, got like 15 or 20 I've got, lists. I've got good ones. I know. That's what I'm saying is like there's so many I want to recommend and that's so little to go on. It's like where do you even start? And so I yeah. realized I'm like might be recommending the same books over and over. When they're that general, so I get like lost going back and seeing what I've already talked about, and I'm like, well, they're just on Tumblr. It's not like they've read my all the the other previous ones before. So those those are hard to because it's just like me. I'm like, well, let me give you a recommendation for thirty books. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, and it doesn't cool. specify if they want just like contemporary or do do they mind paranormal? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why it's like you need follow-up questions. Okay, I have that- one. I have one for your person with the male and female energy. Oh, okay. All right. I didn't love this book, but it's kind of it has that vibe. It's Before mm-hmm. We Were Strangers by Renee Carlino. All right. And I will look it up. Yeah, that, I don't know how I felt about that book, but, but it's it kind like of what it's for. about, is about the sort of dynamic between men and women, and it takes place over quite some time, so that could be an interesting one. Mm-hmm. So, hey, you know, for your, for your person looking for teen romance, Ben <laughs> Bennett's The Anatomical Shape of the Heart is one I'm okay it's that's it's it's like heavy on the romance and really well done I haven't read that one there were so many books that came out around that same time that had heart in the title and on the cover they all kind of like ran together in my mind and that can be a real problem so when I haven't read them. I'm I'm much better at recommending books that I've actually read, but a lot of times, you know, that's not possible because even if I read like 200 books a year, that's just barely making a dent in the number of books. (laughs) Yeah. Here's a great one. Recommendations for nonfiction. Like that's it. Any (laughs) nonfiction. I'm like, Oh my God, where would I start? Yeah. Sometimes I get snarky. Be like the encyclopedia. Yeah, the encyclopedia. I kind of love it. Except for I don't think you can buy encyclopedias anymore, so... No, it's like, check out Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Alright. I mean, there is a lot of good nonfiction out there, but there, I mean, it's... That's not very specific, I guess. Yeah, I know. It's like, any sort of topic or at all. Oh, and this is this is funny. Like, I haven't read Night Circus, but um, I thought this was an interesting way to describe it. I just finished reading Night Circus, and I loved her style of writing and how, at certain intervals, she went like meta. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean by that? What what is going like meta in a book? Because I haven't read that one. Oh, oh, I know when that would be good for that. Okay. <laughs> and I'm just spacing on the um uh. On the off, Gabrielle Zavin's um, weird sort of dystopian is. Oh, the chocolate one. Yes. Yes. Like meta in that series. 
Okay, I listened to the first one on audiobook. Yeah, the narrator was really good. I yeah, remember that. I think Christine Bam does this. Mm-hmm. She's really good. But that would be a really good one for someone who likes books that go like meta. Yeah. <laughs> that would just be my new phrase. I love that. What I like that I'm like still trying to figure out what it means. I can't even think of any book. I think huh. it's sort of like when the narrator is like conscious of that the fact that they're in a book. Yeah, it's like like talk okay. like breaking the fourth wall maybe in film, but like the narrator is like speaking directly to the reader. Oh, okay. Kind of like Will Smith or Zach Morris. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly like that. Oh, here, this one is awesome. Okay. I like reading Divergent, Hunger Games, The Mortal Instruments, and Harry Potter. Okay, so, like, the most popular YA. Also, Uh Ulysses Moore. Also what? Ulysses Moore, which is, like, the exact opposite of... of Okay, so for that person, I would recommend Patrick Ness. Yeah. That's the first thing that comes to my mind is chaos walking. Hmm. Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, adventure like the Ulysses Moore is a series of adventure books written by the an Italian author. So it's just like I don't know, really wow. different. Yeah, they but yeah, I don't. It's harder to recommend things to like people who want the most popular books. Like that's all they've read. Because I'm like, oh, but there's so many directions we could go from this. Yeah. I would definitely recommend Chaos Walking for them. And then I think the John Marsden books would work for them, right? Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, that Tomorrow the, When the War Began. Yeah. That series. It was really popular with, um, like, younger readers, too. Because they're really good. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, remember when we kind of blew... Did we read those at the same time, Laura? No, I read them. You guys recommended them to me, and then I read them all in, like, a week. Yeah, because I've read them all in, like, a week, and then, yeah. And now I have all the pretty UK versions. I'm very proud of that. I don't have any, any, like, foreign covers of books. I see them, and sometimes I really want them. Like, the new Patrick Ness, I really like. The UK cover better than the oh, US. Oh, I really love the UK ones of that. And With I really the lighter on it. And I was like, yeah. oh, how expensive is it to order it? It's pretty expensive. Um, I know. I mean, a lot of times if you go through book depository, it's not so bad. So. I have. Well, a- I guess. I, or, like, I really, books. really loved the UK <laughs> versions of the Lainey Taylor books where they had, like, the oh, colored door oh, on the cover. Yeah. Which makes a whole lot more sense. Um, than yeah, I really did not like the covers of her books in the U.S. Like, I did not think they were very good. They're also, interestingly, those books are marketed as adult fantasy in Europe. You know, that that's, that's, a not lot. that's not super surprising. Yeah. yeah, they're pretty advanced. I don't, I, I think it's interesting how those choices get made and, why something becomes YA or adult. Um, I think that about a lot of books. Like, a lot of my favorite books were maybe not necessarily written for a YA audience. They were just published that way. Like, The Miseducation of Cameron Post by Emily Danforth, like, was definitely not intended to be a young adult novel, but was published as so. Um, 
can name lots more examples, but I just think that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, we read this. I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> that what? I was gonna say the same thing. I know oh, what you're gonna talk about the magical realism book. Yeah. The the, the Ava Lavender. Oh, I, I know. Ava I loved Lavender. Ava Lavender, but I have. I'm not sure about it being for. I mean, I know teens that would like it, but, but it wasn't just, supposed to be. I think is what we heard. Well, she's a she is a teacher. Like I think she teaches middle grade. That author. So I'm not sure if she intended it for it to be or not. I'm pretty sure she didn't. That's what yeah. I I think, I'm pretty sure she intended it for adults, and it didn't work out. So it ended up being YA. Well, and Candlewick does publish some of those more like boundary pushing. They publish books. some kind of like, oddball books, and I think they actually it's actually really cool because they. Yeah, no, I kind of love it. Yeah, like even though a lot of times it's not stuff I is necessarily my thing, like they seem to have be like a place for some of those books that like wouldn't have another place. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that role they play. Yeah. Yeah, it is often the magical realism ones that I think like is is this really a, a YA novel like the. Marcus Sedgwick books like Midwinter Blood. I I had a hard time like buying that as YA as much as I loved it. Or the syphilis book. Yeah, that, <laughs> Kingdom of Little Wounds. Yeah, that was seriously creepy. I think that was Candlewick too. Well, yeah, but like a lady in our book club, like her daughter really likes to read, but her daughter reads above, I think. Her age level, right? Yeah, significantly above her age level. But so she's pretty young for reading YA, but they read the Prince books together and they ended up reading that one. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I think it resulted in some, some difficult conversations about syphilis. <laughs> I bet, yeah. Well, like the book description on Goodreads does not say anything about how it's about. <laughs> Well, I remember when she came to book club uh, and, and she's like, so we're reading the Prince books. That. And we read Kingdom of Little Wounds. And we're like, uh-huh, how was it? She's like, it's about syphilis. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy about syphilis. And, like, there is lots of... I mean, they might start, they might have had to have, like, a talk with their daughter way earlier than they intended to <laughs> after they read that book. <laughs> Well, and that's the funny thing about, like, because some of the Prince books are for really young, like, um, what's that one? Navigating Early was a Prince Honor book, and it's, like, for a 10 to 14-year-old audience. You know, it's, like, classic adventure fiction. Um, And then, yeah, you have something on, like, the complete opposite end of the spectrum, like Kingdom of Little Wounds, and you're like, oh, I would never uh, recommend this to most teens, like, some could maybe enjoy it, but I don't think not... I recommend that for me. Yeah, no, I mean, it, I thought it was well written, but like, yeah, the subject matter is not my favorite to read about. Yeah. I thought it was going to be more fantasy, though. So that could have been why I was a little well, let I down. That's the way they led you to describe it. It's like a, it's like a bait and switch is what it is. Yeah. And it has that gorgeous cover. Yeah. So, and gilded edges. Yeah. (laughs) But. Anyway. Prince books are for literary merit only, like, not about appeal. So. 
the uh, yeah the prince books are weird like it is i i don't know it like someday i'll, I'll hope i hope to be on one of those book committees like prince is you know the one that you have to put in lots of years of yeah. work to be on um but i do think that those are really interesting conversations that people must have um in deciding you know like these are just the five books yeah and i it's got to be interesting sort of what like how those conversations sort of unfold and like how people mm-hmm. pitch stuff and you know I yeah because I, I did yeah, take like a- how do you how do all these people end up agreeing or do they all just end up like each of them just gets to pick one because they can't agree and that's how you end up with this like super divergent you know what I mean no no it's like they re- um they you know read every like so much and then they have to like have extensive notes on it and then they have two rounds of meetings like and they discuss it online between the meetings um and people like break out like you get you have to read them a couple times and take extensive notes and like really talk about the the literary merits of them because i through y'all i took a class like critically evaluating YA lit that's basically like you know how to be on a book selection or award committee oh that's interesting mm -hmm. so that's not something i taught in my school, it was just something through Yalsa, um, like a six week course. And we looked at all those and it was, it was interesting. Um, cause even some of the books, some people who are librarians, like who haven't had that background in English literature class or cause I didn't, I, my degree is in English literature. You get pretty far removed from that critical analysis part. And some people can have difficulty with that. Um, so you, it, it does take like a certain group of people like with that experience and skill set to really do that. Yeah. Some of the conversations in YA lit class when we were discussing some books, you can just tell that people didn't get them at all. Um, like Charm and Strange by Stephanie Kuhn, which I love and is amazing. People are all like, but I don't get it. I thought he was, this was going to be about werewolves and it didn't make any sense. I'm like, Oh, metaphor. Yeah, you guys. Right? So yeah, it'll be interesting. I think award committees. And yeah. That is, that is interesting. And like, they, and it's gotta be hard to kind of strike a balance between like the books. Cause not all books that you feel like are important are important to like their audience are necessarily like, like, if you're looking at just literary merit, like, that's got to be kind of brutal, you know, where it's like, well, I think X book is really important for the audience and it's going to really mean a lot to them. But yet this book just maybe isn't as important to the audience, actually has more sort of literary prowess or whatever. Like, that's going to be really, that's, that doesn't sound fun. That sounds really hard. Yeah, yeah. That's why there's, um, you know, there's a couple of lists that really are for that. Like there's quick picks for reluctant yeah. readers, which is trying to get like high interest, but still quality books yeah, that are for that audience. Friends to that one. Mm-hmm. Those, those are great, um, lists or the best fiction for young adults. Like they balance more literary merit and appeal, um, Whereas Prince is like just literary merit, and so is Morris. I think Morris Award for the debut um, fiction is probably my favorite, and would be my favorite to be a part of. Um, it's an interesting I, list. It always is really interesting. 
And I just like, um, I like reading debut books like way before they're published and before a lot of other people have reviewed them. Cause I really think that forces you to form your own opinion about them. Um, cause I think it's really easy, especially when you talk to like book people all the time to develop similar taste or feel like, you know, certain books are super buzzworthy. And so you go into it with that preconceived notion. So that's why I like the debut ones. Cause they're, you know, you don't really know anything about it. Yeah. It's just, you just got to try it out for yourself. So I kind of like that. So anyway, we really appreciate you joining us, Molly. Yeah, it was fun. Well, um, and, uh, and we can't wait to meet you in person in a few weeks. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Clear Eyes Full Shelves podcast. Be sure to check out our book reviews, recommendations, opinion, and all-around nerdy badassery at cleareyesfullshelves.com or on Twitter at Full Shelves. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Until next time, clear eyes, full shelves, can't lose.